This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, Jimmy Ott in the legendary Paul Stone here on the Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. Paul, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. You know, beautiful uh, February weather here in many parts of the uh, of the country, especially in the south where we are. If you like it to be 70, 75 degrees, which I prefer to freezing, so I'm doing well. Yeah, yes, indeed. We'll take we'll take the uh, the warm, humid conditions uh, over the uh, freezing conditions any time uh, down here in the South. Uh, Paul, I wanted to uh, get with you on sort of an, uh, an injury update because we see some real impact players kind of coming back, and then um, and 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 also getting uh, knocked out. Of course, you know Colin Castleton, uh, Florida is now zero and two straight up and against the spread. Uh, without him, they lose to Arkansas and Kentucky. Uh, he's such a big part of what they do. You know, good effort by Florida on uh, Wednesday night, but to, I mean, I mean, it's just a blow. And, and for a team that was kind of on the bad side of the bubble, they're pretty much done uh, for the season. Nick Smith siding. So his four games back, 17, four minutes, only four minutes, his second game, 32 minutes in that route of Florida without Castleton on Saturday. And then he drops 26 against Georgia, who had really been struggling on the road. So I'm not ready to – that's not exactly like dropping 26 against Tennessee, you know, in the SEC. But is that something to watch? Justin Moore with his uh, season high at eight games back, 25 in an, a road victory uh, in Cincinnati against Xavier. Mike Miles Jr. has been back for two games for TCU. Xavier's got a player back. Vandy and Robbins, Lim Robbins, they finally lose to lowly LSU on the road. They had been on a roll. What's impact? What are these impact additions or subtractions to these uh, players in college basketball that you're really paying attention to and really affecting your numbers? Yeah, I'll just say, first of all, I'll compare it to college football. You know, other than the, uh, the, the most important position in all of sports, the quarterback position, you know, you're not going to make just wild movements, wild swings in your power ratings when a, when a player's out unless you have cluster injuries on the offensive line or something of that of that nature. But in college basketball, you know, you only got five people on the floor. You've got two or three more off the, the bench that play. So you normally, most teams are going to play seven or eight people the majority of the minutes. So when you extract the best player or one of the best players out of that seven or eight-man rotation, you know, it, it can uh, – necessitate anywhere from a two to maybe even up to a four or five point swing in their power rating. Uh, and you mentioned Florida, you know, without the, uh, the center Castleton. I mean, this guy was on trajectory to, to be a first team all conference player in the SEC, 16 points a game, almost eight rebounds a game, 
three blocks, almost yep. three assists. I mean, he did everything. And uh, you've seen who they are without him, and they go to Vanderbilt uh, in a game that will be interesting to see what that number opens on Saturday. Uh, and then on the flip side, who they're playing, Vanderbilt, you know, they get Liam Robbins back. And uh, they won five, had won five straight before losing last night uh, at LSU, 84-77. But in the last six games, Robbins almost 23 points a game, 10 rebounds a game. So that type of production, again, when you only have five on the court at any time, um, power rating uh, changes um, are much more significant in college basketball than college football. How, how does that affect your power ratings, and how do you compare uh, of these or maybe in the past? Give me an example where you thought that uh, the odds makers were a little stubborn to adjust their lines accordingly, or maybe you know, or maybe overdid it because it was such a high profile, uh, a meter moving name, uh, so to speak. In my memory at this stage in my game can be pretty short, Jimmy, but I can <laughs> reference a, uh, an example this season that kind of comes to mind. I think they, the line maker, especially in hindsight, and as handicappers, we don't like hindsight. We like to be on top of it, but right. uh, and maybe some of us were able to take advantage of this. But TCU, without Mike Miles Jr., who they now have back, you know, the, uh, the games that they've had to play without Mike Miles Jr., they're a completely different team. You know they're a uh, they're a Sweet 16 top team with Miles on the floor, uh, and they're probably you know just a little bit better than a mid-level Power Five team without him. You know if that. So certainly there's a significant drop there. And sometimes you know you you lose guys uh, that maybe don't have in college basketball. That if you look at their line score, if you look at their statistics, nothing really jumps out at you. But you you're not able to in that process perhaps properly evaluate what they mean to the team, the team chemistry, uh, the locker room dynamic, the energy, uh, Chamba Chakawa, Baylor coming back. Yeah. I think he's given them a jolt. I think he's an example of that. Uh, Baylor's not very good defensively this year. They're a little bit better with him down there in the, in the block. So that certainly uh, helps them as well. So that, that may be guys like him, um, Sissy, a, a guy forward for Oklahoma State. Yeah. Um, they, they've lost a few in a row, and now they're without Avery Anderson, one of their key players. But Oklahoma State's a better team when, when Sissy's able to play a uh, forward who rebounds a little bit, scores a little bit, only about 20, 25 minutes a game. But he just uh, is a piece that they require. So I think maybe as handicappers, finding those players and evaluating those performance when maybe the so-called non-marquee players uh, are out and seeing how they play when they are available – uh, can be of great advantage to us. You know, I, uh, I what I've noticed too, whether it's, um, you know, Smith at Arkansas, even Robbins at Vandy, it took him games, and certainly more with Villanova. It took him, a, took him a few games to get back into form, especially with point production. You know, it take, you know, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's a, uh, it's a precision thing. And I mean, and especially shooters, I mean, it's going to, you, you get away from your preparation and, you know, and also just game shape, you know, everything included takes him a little bit of time. I'm real interested uh, though, Paul, with the Nick Smith deal. He's a lottery pick. Okay. He's played maybe a handful of games this year, but Arkansas has accomplished a lot under Musselman and made deep runs of the tournament without him. And this was supposed to be where their roster had taken the next step up. And maybe, you know, instead of just being competitive with eventual national champion Baylor, they can, you know, they can maybe make their own run. They were very good, although they lost 
uh, you know, a, a great game to Creighton in Maui, there was still a high level of play. And so it'll be very interesting. And the most high profile recently in the SEC, too, is Michael Porter Jr., who's supposed to be the, you know, the consensus number one overall pick. He didn't come in until the SEC tournament and was so out of sorts. I mean, it was just sort of forced. Uh, They played Georgia in the first round and got beat. And so maybe because Smith gets about six, seven games before conference tournament play, and then the NCAA tournament play, you know, more. It's just it's very interesting uh, to see how these guys. I've been Rod and Robbins. Now, I, I lost, uh, you know, with him uh, against uh, LSU. I mean, my goodness, one team's playing so much better than their overall resume. One team was playing so much worse. But here you go. It happens sometimes in college basketball uh, that you, you have these upsets. But uh, some real critical, critical uh, additions or subtractions from the uh, lineups in college basketball coming down the stretch. Give us a little bit of peek behind the curtain too, Paul. Football or basketball, how you start with your power ratings. Because, I mean, especially in basketball where the rosters are pretty much all different. I mean, it, they're year to year with the transfer portal. Um, where where do, you, do, you, do you go back on the previous year? Do you, is it coach-related? Is it program-related? What do you weigh more heavily in your personal power ratings? First of all, in college football, you've got 131 teams, and I follow college football year-round. I'm able to personally craft my own power ratings and have done it for many, many years, over 30 years, uh, on all Division One or FBS teams. So I do that all myself. College basketball, you know, it started back on November 7th. It is a five-month grind. Obviously, there's an intersection of college football and the start of college basketball season where you're handicapping both. So I mostly, I do do my own power ratings, but I rely on some other sources just to be frank about it because I just don't, you know, I'm, I'm a one-man uh, operation, and I always talk about the rule of 168, the number of hours in a week, and we've only got so much time. So I, I you know, Sagren and uh, Ken Palm and uh, – a guy named Sonny Moore, I, I use theirs as a basis, and then I kind of use my own observations. So I, I do it a little bit different in college basketball, and it's strictly just because of the uh, amount of time. You know, you've only got so much time. Uh, when I make lines, I start out and I just make a number in my head based on these games, uh, based on the two teams, uh, and then I kind of massage it by looking at some other sources to be sure I'm just not all out of uh, whack with my individual opinion. Uh, you know, a lot of people I know try to just handicap every conference, every team, all 365 right. or what we're up to now. And, and to me, it's just impossible to uh, to give adequate attention uh, to all those teams. So I, I narrow uh, the conferences just a little bit. I, I do, you know, <laughs> I'm heavily involved in some lesser conferences for sure. But, uh, you know, I don't look at, at every team. And you, you just have to manage it. It's just massive. You know, I don't want to be uh, – Again, a uh, jack of all trades, a jack of all teams, and a master of none. All right. Uh, you know, looking at this uh, Saturday and uh, three games that stick out to me, and we'll go into Big East. And I, I love the Big East because it's the number one sport on campus for a lot of these Catholic universities. Certainly the case for uh, Creighton and Villanova. Give Villanova credit, okay? They go on the road, down double digits. Uh, in Cincinnati against uh, Xavier and come back and win more like we talked about the outlaw well isn't an outlier or is it sustainable 25 points I kind of think it might be a little bit of a high point Creighton bounce back spot 
after losing a lead against Marquette. What a game that was. How about Shaka Smart's team uh, in, uh, in Milwaukee this year? They're in comfortable position to win the regular season title. Something tells me, though, you, you, you're very good at these two. You're projecting this line at three. I kind of like the Blue Jays. Hate to hate to give my opinion before I ask for yours, Paul, but I kind of like the Blue Jays in a bounce-back spot here. Yeah, you know, Creighton's lost two out of three, and now they travel to a Villanova team that has won four out of five and clearly has been energized by the return of Justin Moore. Uh, and Moore saw his first action of the season just back on uh, January 29th uh, after suffering that Achilles uh, tear against Houston last year in the uh, Elite Eight. So he, he's a, a big piece of their team, and they've definitely been better uh, since he uh, since he got here. I don't like, especially at this stage in the season, I, I don't like to make it a habit of, of betting against good teams who are on a, a small, a short span of, of maybe down performance because it, it's cyclical and there's a lot of ups and downs and ebbs and flows to a long college football, uh, basketball season, rather. But, um, you know, it, it, more than three, I'm probably, I might take Villanova for a ham sandwich. So one of us will be able to take the other out to a, a, a modest <laughs> lunch anyway. But, uh, you know, being in, the, in in Philly on their home floor and they're playing well and they're on a, a good trajectory. And Creighton, uh, like a lot of teams, you know, that they've played uh, – well, for the most part, but a little bit different uh, team, perhaps, uh, you know, away from uh, Omaha. So, uh, yeah. you know, three and a half or more, I like Villanova small. There's some momentum uh, coming back home to Philadelphia uh, for Nova. No question about that. Now, here's one that's, I mean, w- what do you compare this to? Uh, our buddy Greg Waddell from the Field of 68 uh, gave out South Carolina. He says, listen, I'm sorry to, to sort of de- – <clears throat> I don't know, diminish the more serious uh, situation uh, going on with Tuscaloosa and, and, you know, and, and the murder and all that. And what, you know, Oates with his sort his insensitive uh, comments, he backs those up. Uh, Alabama's PR department's certainly playing defense. You're putting out that release, trying to uh, damage control his, uh, his inappropriate comments. Miller, what is his? He drops 41 in Columbia on the road in an overtime win, but the uh, Gamecocks clearly easily covered the spread. Now they come back home to nine and a half against Nick Smith and his Arkansas team. They really, the last three games of conference play are really challenging uh, for Arkansas at Tuscaloosa, at Tennessee, and at home against Kentucky. So, boy, and how do you, what do you compare this to outside of just outside distractions with Alabama? Because they're certainly there. I mean, could have easily lost uh, in uh, in Columbia as a 17.5 point favorite. Projecting Bama to be around 9.5 points, I'm going to be glued to this one to see how everybody responds uh, in this matchup. Yeah, you know, Alabama season to me, it kind of sums up the 2022-23 the college basketball season as a whole. You know, it's just difficult to make any sense of it all. You know, they uh, for all the ups, you know, they, they lose um, back on, um, oh, in, in mid-January during the Big 12 SEC shootout. Uh, yes. They lose four weeks ago by 24 to Oklahoma. Then, like you mentioned, it's a, almost a 20-point favorite. They uh, need overtime to win at South Carolina uh, last night on Wednesday, February 22nd. So, uh, you know, that that's the downside. But when they're good, when that offense especially is good, when it's clicking, you know, they're, they're awfully good uh, and as good as anybody. It's always hard for me to kind of quantify, to factor in uh, the distraction element. 
into my handicap. You know, you just never know when you've got a situation like they have going on right now and they're getting a lot of uh, scrutiny and criticism from, from outside uh, sources. Right. Uh, and, you know, you just never know how that's going to, how that's going to affect a team. Are they going to galvanize and produce, you know, their, their peak efforts over a period of time? Uh, or are they going to, uh, the, the weight of the, the burden of, of all that, is that going to eventually get to them? So I kind of just wait and see. But this game to me, man, it, it's just too much. It's All these games, we're kind of taking an educated guess, but this is one of the tougher games on the board. I'll definitely be uh, on the sideline uh, in this game that will feature some, some great uh, athletes on the court. You know, I, I think you might be catching the stock before it uh, gets a little bit more expensive with Nick Smith in Arkansas. Again, I, scoring 26 against Georgia is no big deal, okay? But it's, it's a sign. It's a sign, and we know they, they can be back. And let's face it, the, the individual who should be most distracted, he has his best game ever as a collegiate, but the team performed way below their normal, their normal performance this year. Struggling, going, you know. You know, life and death down the stretch with the uh, with the uh, South a three win team uh, in the conference. So it's going to be very interesting and to see also if you know if they struggle again. Well, this thing may be hanging over their head and, and it's a distraction. How they handle it is a completely um, you know a question mark at this round. Remember this game out in the West Coast Conference earlier this year. If you had Gonzaga plus the points, it was a tough beat. There they. It's 50-50 to win the game. It goes overtime. St. Mary's pulls away in overtime. Overtime where underdogs go to die. Is it just that simple to kind of get a revenge spot, chase your money here with the Zags at home projected to be a four-point favorite? 140 is a total also projecting Gonzaga and St. Mary's a rematch. Well, Jimmy, you're you're remembering the side. Uh, I had under 138. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Underdogs go to die in overtime, and so do unders go to die in overtime. Game tied at 61 at the end of regulation. Uh, But I'm projecting the total again, as you indicated, to be 140 in this game. Uh, This this game has been a ATM uh, to under players uh, for the most part over the last four or five years. St. Mary's obviously plays slow. They're 359th in adjusted tempo at Ken Palm right now. Uh, they've done a really good job of uh, dictating pace, uh, you know, to the uh, more up-tempo zags uh, in recent history. So that, that's what I'm going to look at again. I'm going to go back to the well and hope it doesn't go to OT, but uh, the Gales are a smart basketball team. They understand how they have to play, and it's kind of, as I sometimes say, three yards in a cloud of dust. they got to – uh, milk the uh, milk the shot clock and move the ball a lot, reverse it a lot, and, uh, try to get a good shot uh, as the uh, shot clock uh, is about to expire and try to shorten the game and not let the uh, more athletic team, Gonzaga, get out and run. And I like the under. Uh, again, uh, it'll be interesting to watch the side. These are two uh, really good uh, basketball teams, and some would argue in power ratings, uh, people who keep power ratings would even argue that St. Mary's on a neutral uh, might be the better team this year. So it'll be interesting to see how they uh, fare in Spokane this weekend and then in a probable uh, game in the conference tournament as well. But I'll uh, I'll play the under here, and uh, that's my – these three marquee games that we're talking about, uh, that's definitely by far my favorite play under 140 in this Gonzaga-St. Mary's game. Paul, you're in Big 12 country, a couple of Big 12 games that you uh, that catch your attention. And I think we can all say that – Maybe a little surprised that this thing has 
been held together as good as it has, losing one of the most respected coaches in the country in Chris Beard uh, in Austin. They're a top ten. They're a top ten team, uh, NET, and uh, and they are they 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 they're performing like it. Baylor two the the Kansas sweep was not good. They lose both in Lawrence and Manhattan, and now they come back. You talked about the Ford, and you do a better job of pronouncing his name than I do. But anyway, the Baylor Ford's back, and they has provided um, you know a, a nice added punch for them. One of those players that's been in and out of the lineup. You know, Baylor at Waco against the you know the the hated uh, Longhorns here. Um, you know, kind of trying to get right again here. Uh, projected to be about four point favorite. You know, this is one of my favorite games on the board. I, I don't lean too heavily uh, on historic results, but if you follow this conference closely, Scott Drew has absolutely owned the Longhorns in recent years. Uh, Baylor had won six straight in the series before losing to the Longhorns seventy six. 71 in Austin back on January 30th. And if you look at that game in Austin when Baylor just lost by five, that three-point shooting uh, trifecta of guards for Baylor, Cryer, Flagler, and George, they were combined 17 of 47 against Texas. They only lost by five in the road in that game. They're going to be better than that collectively on Saturday in Waco. Uh, Baylor's won the last five meetings between these clubs in Waco. Uh, four of those five wins by nine or more points. Uh, I think Baylor's going to be favored by about four points over Texas, and I think the Bears are going to win this game by half a dozen or more uh, on Saturday. But as you said, Rodney Terry has, has kept this group together. Uh, like all teams in Big 12, they've stubbed their toes some, but they uh, they are a team to be reckoned with. And uh, one of the guys for the Longhorns, uh, even though I'm uh, liking Baylor here, Sir Jabari Rice, the transfer from uh, New Mexico State, who comes off the bench. Uh, they need offense, and um, that's kind of been their deficiency the past few seasons, just not enough scores on the floor, and he's a guy that gives them some scoring. All right, uh, it, staying in the Big 12, and this is a team that I've been riding, and, you know, the, the tough thing about the Big 12 is you can lose eight in a row. The good thing about it is you got uh, chances for quality wins and it'll get you back for consideration for the NCAA tournament. Texas Tech starts out 0-8 in the conference. Now they've won and covered four in a row. I've been riding them, Paul. This is right up my alley. Teams that sort of bad resume teams that get hot. And just on the other side, strong resume teams, maybe like a Tennessee, who could sort of, sort of struggle and go and perform way below their overall resume. Uh, this is going to be an interesting now. Again, we talked about uh, Mike Miles Jr. He's back for TCU. They are better uh, with the uh, Big 12 preseason player of the year. So, and, and the thing about when you get on a streak in trends, the million-dollar question I have for you at Texas Tech right now, has the value diminished? Is it gone now, now that they're on this winning straight up, the straight up and ATS run right now? Well, one person that I failed to mention when you were talking about teams impacted by the addition of a player who's maybe missed some games, and also does it take that player some time to get in condition to get their basketball legs under them? And this is a big man. He's a thick guy. But the uh, big man, the transfer out of Utah Valley from Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, Fardos Amac uh, for Texas Tech. You know, he's a big guy. He missed most of the year. Uh, he almost transferred out of Texas Tech before the season after transferring there from Utah Valley. Then he got hurt, didn't get back until uh, 
I think maybe early January. But this guy, man, he is playing uh, recently. He is uh, the last three games, 15 points a game, 10 rebounds. And that's why I think that Texas Tech can sustain this current trajectory, that this guy is just getting better and better. Uh, he's getting in better shape, clearly, and he's making an impact on the on the court. Uh, they're going for the series season sweep of TCU Saturday in Lubbock. This is going to fit that criteria of an unranked team favored over a ranked opponent, in, in my opinion. I think Texas Tech is going to be favored by one, maybe one and a half. TCU, they've dropped five of their last six. Uh, most of those, however, uh, without the aforementioned Mike Miles Jr., uh, they've struggled on the road, though. The Horn Frogs, even when Miles has been available, uh, lost six of their last seven away from Fort Worth. I just like the way the Red Raiders are playing. This is just a great 10-team conference. The disparity between the top team in the conference to the yeah. bottom team is very narrow. Uh, and any time you're playing uh, on your opponent's home floor in this league, uh, it's going to be a tough go. And the way the Red, the Red Raiders are playing and uh, Amax. Um, the way he's coming on, I like uh, Texas Tech to defeat TCU and Lubbock. All right, uh, one uh, a final game that you uh, have kind of circled here is Vanderbilt against Florida. So a few weeks ago, I think it was Super Bowl weekend, uh, Vanderbilt uh, wins on the road at Florida, 88-80. to We talked about uh, Lim Robbins, 32 points, nine rebounds, four blocks, three of four from three-point range on that Saturday afternoon. And Colin Castleton also had 25 points, 11 rebounds, and two. Robbins is still there. Castleton's gone. Vandy uh, gets uh, Florida back at home uh, after a, a little bit, kind of a gutsy effort on Wednesday. They just shorthanded but were very competitive and in the game just didn't have enough firepower in a low-scoring game against Kentucky midweek. Vandy, you're projecting to be around a four- or five-point favorite. Yeah, you know, Vandy, they had won five straight games before losing uh, last night, Wednesday, February 22nd uh, at LSU, 84 77. Uh, there were some other people on uh, Vandy besides yourself, Jimmy. Uh, yours, uh, myself included, yours truly. And I know some <laughs> other guys that were on Vanderbilt as well. It looks too good to be true. Maybe it is. But uh, I still, I'm not going to get off this Vanderbilt team just yet. Uh, we've talked about Liam Robbins and, and the way that he's playing uh, at an all conference level. But this Florida team, they just look rudderless uh, without Castleton. Uh, it was a gutsy effort last night. You know, they fell behind to uh, Kentucky and then uh, made a run and got back in the game and I think actually took the lead before uh, Kentucky made another run and pulled away, won the game, got the money. Uh, but, you know, one thing I that just – I'm not going to make a huge play on it because I'm concerned about the fact that Vanderbilt's in an unfamiliar point spread role. You know, they're typically going to be the, the either a very short home favorite or could be the underdog to Florida – they also won the first game, which is a little bit of a uh, concern of mine, playing them again, going for the series season sweep. So, uh, I, again, I'm, I'm not uh, going to talk myself out of it because I, did, I just think Florida is not the same team, but a moderate play on Vanderbilt uh, at minus four or less over the Gators, Sands, Castleton. Uh, we covered a lot today, uh, Paul, but uh, one thing is just around the corner, uh, keep in mind that the smaller conferences start their conferences ter- their conference tournaments earlier. <clears throat> that way, the beginning of uh, championship week, their championship games can be, uh, you know, on ESPN and ESPN2 and get the, uh, you know, get the, the big stage. Uh, but 
now's the time where you're going to peek ahead a little bit, maybe to win it all in some future bets and things like that in the conferences, or just to make a run, maybe teams to back, or vice versa. But the small conference tournaments, uh, maybe some teams that are catching your attention. Yeah, and these teams, I've got three of them here, Jimmy, and these teams are not going to be teams that I'm going to bet to win their tournament. But I'm going to look to – I think they're still undervalued as we approach the late end of the regular season in the conference tournament time. In one of those, Queens, uh, not located in one of the, the boroughs in New York City, but rather okay. Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> they go by uh, the Royals. But Queens loses a lot of game. I think they're now 500 now uh, on the regular season, below uh, 500 in conference play. Uh, so they, they've lost – I think they might be 14 and 14 – but they haven't lost by more than 10 points since November 15th. Uh, they took uh, conference leader Liberty uh, to the uh, to the brink last night. They are 4-0. Queens is getting seven or more points uh, this season so far. And uh, they're possibly, I think they're going to be getting about 15. They actually played Liberty last night on Wednesday the 22nd. They're going to turn right around and travel to Liberty tomorrow, Friday the 24th. Uh, and play the Flames again two times in three days, probably getting 15 or so there at Liberty. So Queens is a team to watch. Then in Conference USA, uh, Florida International, I'm not getting off of the Panthers just yet. They have failed to cover their last two games, but they're 11-4 and four against the spread since December 31st. Uh, I still believe they have some value. Uh, they have home victories this year over upper division conference teams, UAB and Middle Tennessee. And, and again, it's just trying to determine teams that – are playing above where you think the line maker has them slotted. And I think Florida International fits that bill. And then we're going to look at the Western Athletic Conference. Sometimes you got to get in the VW bus, Jimmy, and travel down to Edinburgh, Texas <laughs> to find value. And I'm going to do that. University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley, the Vaqueros, uh, which is uh, cowboy for those no habla espanol. But uh, they have covered – Four of their last five games uh, as an underdog, they've won three of those outright. Uh, the Requeros, you know, they're their team again. They're not going to make the NCAA tournament, but they could make you some money. They're just really playing. Uh, I think, again, they're playing above their uh, above the level that the uh, line maker has them. They're, I think, 11th in the Western Athletic Conference of the 12 teams remaining since New Mexico State. I uh, chose to um, suspend their season in their season a couple of weeks back due to problems within the program. But I think uh, Texas Rio Grande Valley, I think that's a team to watch as well. I see some value there. Oh, boy. Well, only you, Paul Stone, from Miami Beach to Dwayne Colucci stomping grounds to uh, the multilingual, uh, the, the the Volkswagen bus headed down to Rio Grande. Excellent stuff, uh, as always. So, FIU Queens in uh, Texas. You sure you didn't get that Queens pick from Dwayne Colucci? You sure? Huh? I didn't just say, now, hey, Dwayne, he, he's on Queens as well. No, he's from Queens. <laughs> oh, he's from Queens, New York. Yes. Oh, no, I got you. Yes, you know, I'm yes, yes. I've never met Dwayne, but I've, I've heard him speak, and uh, I've noticed <laughs> that he and I don't have exactly the same vernacular or, or uh, accent. So, uh, But he, he sounds like a really great uh, really uh, great guy. But uh, maybe he's – since because there's at least some uh, connection there, maybe he's been betting on uh, Queens, North Carolina as just well. Just imagine a guy in breakdance uh, attire DJing in Queens in the clubs growing up in the 80s. So, you know, I mean, there you go. There you go. All right, Paul. A lot of stuff, man. We appreciate it. Paul does his homework. There's no doubt. Uh, and this is a part of it, man, sharing his research and his knowledge. So, 
You know, it's uh, one thing to uh, to be knowledgeable, to work hard. Paul does it both, and we appreciate him every week here on the Sports Betters Paradise. For Paul, for the multilingual Paul Stone, I'm Jimmy Ott here on the Sports Betters Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network.